Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman, and I'm happy to introduce our special guest today and writer, comic book creator, and just all around internet uh, savant, Drew Edwards. Drew, welcome to the show. Howdy. <laughs> Drew's in all Texas, right. in case people were wondering. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the Texasness of me usually i i, I kind of went all in with the howdy didn't i <laughs> nice. what part of texas drew well as of late uh being the last decade or so i have lived in our glorious capital uh, or not so glorious depending on your uh political leanings um of uh of austin which which i've been yeah. keeping, keeping weird uh, or doing my best to keep it weird. Uh, originally, I am from a very, very small town that is on a lake called Possum Kingdom. And believe it or not, that is a real place. But I am, I am a, a country boy by, by birth and a city boy by choice, I guess. Awesome. Is, is Possum Kingdom also in Texas? It is. Okay. I'm born, born and raised Texas boy. I, uh, I only only lived out of Texas once very briefly. Uh, I lived in Las Vegas for for two years, uh, but uh, you know, lived in Dallas, uh, Austin, and of course, Possum Kingdom. So I've <laughs> I've done a lot of bouncing around the Lone Star State, um, but you know, and I was happy to come back after the the two years in Las Vegas, but. Uh, you know, it's 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 been harder to love Texas lately, but that's I I, I won't keep going into that. I I I I I be traced into to well worn Twitter territory if I keep doing that. <laughs> got it, got it. I consider Austin every once in a while when I look at my bills and paying rent and all that other stuff out here in California. But uh, yeah, not sure how serious I am. <laughs> Oh well, you know, there's, there's, there's. Uh, we're, Austin is a very welcoming place. If you ever do, uh, yeah. make that trek. Look me up. Yeah, I'm, thanks. I'm a big fan of the Austin Film Festival. That's the main reason I'd consider it because I've been out there a few times for that. And the city seems pretty amazing in most ways, uh, other than the fact that there was a hurricane there last time I stopped by. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Drew, we always do a quick. Uh, what have we been watching, reading, and listening to before we do our introductions and getting into it? Uh, Zach, oh, sorry, I was reading a name on the thing that popped up. Paul, <laughs> do you want to start us off today, or how do you, how are you feeling? Uh, let's see. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I have to look up the name of something, so that's, that's why. Well, there's a there's a Z device. in both of our names somewhere, so I can <laughs> I can understand the confusion there. Yeah. Uh, haven't really been watching any movies lately, but there's been um, a couple of things on Disney Plus that I've enjoyed. Uh, been kind of slowly catching up to the What If shows. Uh, the last one was the Marvel Zombies episode. That was actually pretty good. Thought they did a good job with that. And um, there's also this. Uh, I guess you call like a kind of a docudrama, no, not doc, like a documentary kind of series they're doing. It's all, it's called um, Behind the Attractions. And it's all about like all the, you know, the well-known attractions at the Disney theme parks that you know and love. Like the first one was the Jungle Cruise. And then I saw, oh, Dwayne Johnson was the executive producer of this series. Okay, there's a connection right there. And then there's one about the Haunted Mansion. And the last one I watched was the Star Tours ones. That was pretty cool. And it's just, you know, it, it gives you a very cool and interesting insight into like these things that you know all of us have really known all of our lives uh, from having gone to the disney parks and uh i don't i don't remember what the next one is but yeah, i'm sure it's quite as interesting 
cool. I found mine, uh, what I was looking for, which is the, the goes wrong show. Have you guys watched this? Oh, my daughter loves those. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so stupid, but so funny. Like uh, I was watching it while I was working this morning and the kids are sleeping next to me. Uh, that's what my new routine is. And I'm just like trying not to crack up and wake them because uh, it's yeah, it's pretty, pretty hilarious. There's one guy who's in episode one. He's supposed to be laughing. So the whole premise is that they're doing like a live audience show, uh, but everything's just going wrong. And so well, this, this guy is supposed to laugh as he exits but he can't exit the first way he tries. And so he's like still trying to laugh as he goes for another way, but he can't exit that way either. And he just keeps doing this. <laughs> it's like repeated until by the end, his laughter is almost like a scream because he's just so frustrated. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, that is based. Uh, and part of the reason that we've seen pretty much all of them is because a couple of years ago, there was a touring production called The Play That Goes Wrong. And same, same thing, uh-huh. but it's all live on, on stage and nice. same general concept. And it was just, I mean, it's it's laughter from before it even starts because like they're showing like all the prep work that the the quotes unquote crew is doing and they're having all these yeah. problems too, and That's then awesome. it just keeps getting worse and worse for them, but more and more hilarious for the audience. So yeah, by I think those are on Amazon. I want to say I don't know if they are, but the one I found was on Tubi. Okay, yeah, but I think uh, most of them are on Amazon, and there's one that uh, they have. Uh, it's called Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Awesome. That I guess was their Christmas show. And that's on like three parts on YouTube. So if you don't mind the ads, you can go through that. It's yeah, you can watch that and you will. It's a guaranteed, uh, you know, gut buster from beginning to end. Awesome. Um, so what about you, Drew? Anything uh, exciting on your end? Well, uh, recently, speaking of Disney Plus, I have gone back and revisited uh, Fantastic Four World's Greatest Heroes, which was mm. an anime style take on the ff that they put out around the time the uh the the first well not the the first movies but the the 2000s era Mm. movies were put out and i remember at the time i was sort of off put by the character designs because they were such a departure from what i had grown up with in the comics but now looking back on it like it's it's um it's a really fun show and you know they do a good job of capturing the characters personalities and the the human torch was sort of made to be an anime character actually when you think about it like he's got a perfect personality to be an anime hero uh the other thing i've been reading uh, i just finished this yesterday actually is a collection of doom patrol weight of the world which is one of the more recent doom patrol comics it's written by uh, gerard way which a lot of people know from umbrella academy and of course his band my chemical romance and it's really great in particular there's one issue that was collected in this that was guest written and drawn by becky cluhan who is also also lives in austin so shout out to a fellow austinite but that in particular might be one of the best single issue comic book stories i have read in years and i highly recommend collecting you know checking out the whole collection for that one story in particular i mean the whole thing is good but that one story is exceptional and i just was super impressed with it uh I also want to give a shout out to the podcast I've been listening to recently because they're they're friends of the Castle of Horror podcast, which of course I have been a cast member for for a very long time. But the Monster Movie Happy Hour podcast, which is another <laughs> horror movie review podcast 
that also does uh, thematic cocktails for each episode. And they just put out an episode on the uh, Toho classic War of the Gargantuas. And uh, it was so much fun listening to them. I, I listen to them every week and I highly recommend that you do so as well. What was the cocktail for that one? Uh, they actually did two, one for each gargantua, and they were just, uh, so there was a orange cocktail for the orange gargantua, and the and a uh, green cocktail for the brown, uh, sorry, green gargantua, and I don't remember what they, what went into them, I just remembered that they were fruity concoctions thankfully uh if you go to their website they will have uh they will have a uh a listing of what the recipe would be and uh, i suggest that people do that okay that's great well drew the part of the reason we wanted to have you on the show today since you know the name of our podcast is the creative writing life that you are a writer but uh you're forte your specialty your you know i don't know area of expertise is with comic books as you mentioned you know big fan of the doom patrol there so that you are the i guess you'd call it the writer and creator of the uh the comic halloween man so can you tell us about that like how it came to be and you know and how it's developed over the years so Halloween Man, uh, my elevator pitch for it that I give at conventions when I'm trying to convince people to, to buy it, <laughs> is The Weird Adventures of a Zombie Superhero and His Sexy Mad Scientist Girlfriend. I will have been doing it for 21 years. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this October, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year during the, the, the heat of the, this pandemic that we're all in. And how it came about is actually kind of how I, I got into doing a writing career. Like I, I wanted to make comics ever since I got old enough to understand that there were people that, that actually got paid to write and draw comic books. Um, when I first moved from my hometown, I moved to Dallas and I kind of fell in with a small publisher based in Dallas and what their business plan was is that they were going to publish comic books based in this world that they wanted they wanted to put out a role-playing game ultimately a superhero role-playing game but they wanted to publish comic books based in the world of this role-playing game first as like a kind of a form of like pre-marketing and everybody got assigned like a different sort of hero genre to write about. And since I was the, the horror guy, um, I got assigned the supernatural character. Now, um, I came up with the name Halloween Man after I had actually been listening to the song Halloween by the Misfits over and over and over again. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good name for a spooky superhero. And I started to develop the character over a course of a year, but unfortunately, um, see, I am also a twin and I, during the, from the point that I started with this project and started to develop it, I was in a car accident that uh, killed my, my twin and I was left uh, completely devastated by that. Like I just, it just destroyed me. Like I can't even, 
you know, even all these years later, like I have a hard time even putting into words how it made me feel. But all of a sudden, all these things about the character took on this like more weighty significance and like even the sort of asymmetrical way that the character looks where like part of his body is a monster and part of his body is normal. Like that was kind of how I felt internally. And I I say this a lot, this comic book saved my life. Like if I had not had something to do, like to get up my, get me out of bed every morning and make myself focus on it. I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing this interview. I would be gone. And um, because of this like weightiness, I approached the people at the the publisher I had been working with. And I said, look, I'm going to take my character and go, and I'm going to do it as a web comic. This has just become too personal for me. And, you know, here we are 21, uh, you know, odd years later, and I'm still doing it. And, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I, I know it sounds strange to say that this, this sort of underground comic book is someone's life, life's work, but this really is my life's work. That's great. Um, uh, so you found that the writing, just the whole process of, you know, creating and putting all the ideas and stories down on paper, or I guess, you know, on your computer, it just, it was like a kind of uh, a therapy that you didn't expect to be as effective as it was. Absolutely. I, you know, like a lot of people, when they, they read the comic, what they, um, they really pick up on first is the, the humor of it because it it is very quirky and has a sense of humor about it, but because the the main central character has this sort of uh, angst and anger about him, uh, it it was like a, a, uh, really much like a, a vehicle for that and it definitely you say the word therapy but yeah it was like therapy because I was working my way through uh how how to feel human again and you know Solomon Halloween man is a character that like he he has to to eat people you know he's undead or he most of the time he eats other monsters but it's that sort of like longing for a connection, you know, that physical act of, you know, it's, it's represented by this kind of cannibalism in the comic book. But that was something that I was feeling because like after the car accident, I, I felt like a space alien. Like I felt detached from everybody else. Like I just, it, I didn't feel like I fit. So uh, yeah, I was definitely working through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's one of the things I noticed because uh, you sent me some issues to peruse uh, before today. And that is one of the things I did notice. Like, you know, the initial response is, you know, this is kind of like, you know, it's goofy, fun, horror type stuff. But if you really like kind of like read between the lines, especially with the dialogue uh, with Solomon as he interacts with other characters, that there's a lot more emotion to it. There are actually levels to his character that, you initially wouldn't think are there, but kind of like if you look at it, kind of like take a step back and really evaluate what he's saying and also the context in which he's saying it and to whom that you can really see like, you know, there's a lot, it's it's a much more developed character than you would give it credit for. 
And I think that, you know, that really says something about the writing that, you know, at first glance, you know, someone say, oh, you know, it's a, it's a silly, you know, horror comic about this, you know, this undead superhero. But, you know, then you realize, that, you know, there's, he still has these emotions and these feelings. And then I think you do a really good job of like kind of like uh, presenting those on the page in addition to the, uh, the fun stories that you're telling. Well, thank you. I, I, I definitely try to keep it fun, even when I'm like, like I said, working through stuff, because ultimately when you're telling a story, or at least when I'm telling a story, you want to entertain, you know, you want people to have an enjoyable experience. Uh, but at the same time, you also want people to maybe come away from it. And, you know, when I put my own struggles in there, like one of the things that I, I've always liked is when people pick up on that. Cause yeah, there's like the sort of the surface read, not to sound too high on my own supply. I'm worried I'm coming across as kind of cocky, but you know, like there's the surface read and then there's the, you know, the in between the lines thing, like you just said. Mm -hmm. I, and I have another question that I'll uh, toss it over to Justin. So like, so what is your process for, you know, developing the stories? I mean, obviously that, you know, classic horror and some of the horror, you know, I don't want to call them tropes or cliches, but those kind of play a factor into some of the stories as they develop. So like, do, what kind of uh, source material or what, you know, what's your inspiration for the stories and how do you put together the stories? Do you kind of like, okay, this is an idea I have and this is how I want it to end. And these are some fun things I want to throw in along the way. Typically what I do is uh first of all in terms of like influences and everything i i'm aside from horror films which are you know readily apparent as a big influence on me um 60s comic books particularly i already name dropped the fantastic four once this episode i'll do it again like particularly like the <laughs> lee kirby fantastic four is like a gigantic influence hmm. Um, I'm also a big Grant, Grant Morrison fan. Um, I would say he's my favorite living, or they are my favorite living writer. Uh, his run on Doom Patrol got me through a lot of hard times. Right. When I'm developing something, what I will usually do is, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have a lot of formal writing training. Like I'm almost completely self-taught. I, you know, I had some, some, you know, creative writing courses in high school and a little bit in junior college, but you know, what I'll do is I will usually start with the title. I know that sounds strange, but like the title is usually the kernel of an idea for me. And then I will come up with like about a page or so of plot. And then I'll immediately launch into like a rough draft. Like I, I tend to pound through those and I've, I've said this before, and I know a lot of other writers actually kind of hate it when I say this, but usually the rough draft is like my favorite draft because that's where, that's where the passion is. It's just me and the, the characters and the dialogue, and you're not worried about like pacing or, you know, if, if anything even quite makes sense. But I know you can't publish that. So, you know, I'll, I'll typically get into doing you know, a, a first and second draft. Usually I'll work with an editor. I've been working with a guy named Russell Hillman, who's an English comic book creator off and on for about a decade. Or, you know, my, my wife is actually quite an adept uh, editor herself. And I, she's, she's done a lot of editing in the comics. And, you know, I'll get with them and there's a lot of 
you know, read, read notes on the comic mm-hmm. book, like, like, oh, this dialogue could be funnier. Oh, you know, you need to, you don't need this scene, that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't do that many drafts. Like, I, again, I'm not that formal of a writer. Like my buddy, Jason Henderson, who I do Castle of Horror with, he does tons of drafts. Like I maybe at most will max out at like four you know, I'm not one of those writers that like will do 10, 10 and 20 drafts. Like, Jay, like I said, Jason Henderson, like he'll, he'll occasionally get up on social media and he'll post a, uh, you know, a, a screenshot of how many drafts he's done of something. And I, my jaw usually drops. I'm, I'm much more emotional and, and instinctive. I think like I, I, I want it to feel a certain way. And as long as it feels right, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on being wrong, I guess. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get into the, uh, there's a lot of people who are listening probably who are curious about how to get into comics and how you got started and advice on that level. So, so how were those original early days for you? You know, I kind of lucked into finding people that were in the comic book industry. You know, when I when I moved to Dallas, like I I lived right down the street from a comic book store called Keith's Comics, and I would just go and hang out there as much as possible. And I started. That's how I ran into the the Maximum Comics people, and you know, I became friends with them and friends with other comic book creators. And I know that that's not everybody's story. Like the first thing I think anybody would tell, and this is definitely my more practical advice, is that if you're wanting to to break into comics, like the best thing you can do is probably just start out trying to make a comic book, like learn by doing, like, you know, get with an artist start practicing scripting, read, read books on the subject. Uh, there's a, a great book uh, called uh, Understanding Comics by, by Scott McCloud. I recommend everybody read that if you're thinking about a career in comic books. And, you know, s- start putting out something. It's easier now that, than it ever was, certainly easier than when I was younger because, you know, there's the Comicsology platform, there's Gumdrop, there's uh, Drunk Duck. There's all these places that you can put your comics up on the web uh, and reach a large audience. And once you have something that's worth showing, start hitting conventions and meeting people and you know expanding your, your base. Because most people, I, I was very lucky, most people are not going to run into a comic book publisher at their local comic book store, <laughs> you know, and if, and if they do, they might be kind of a, a phony, you know, like you, you're, the, the, the industry is full of, of con men and you, you need to be very savvy of that when you're trying to break in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you said uh, that you got that contract, like where you were, uh, the one where you were assigned to this. Was that some of your first work or had you already done a lot before that? I had done comics for my school newspaper. Uh-huh. Um, and I had done actually a comic called uh, Jack Frost, which oh, was cool. about a, which was about a snowman that was also a vampire hunter. Nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't very good, 
but it was you know kind of learning how comics are are made and you know practice makes perfect as they say but that was my first professional work and i was really young i was i was you know 18 19 20 when i was doing all that stuff and um when i look back on those early halloween man comics i'll tell you those are rough because (laughs) i wanted to write like dialogue like chris claremont and if you're familiar with chris claremont's x-men you know that he'll he'll have his characters give these big soliloquies that are you know very wordy and that's what i wanted to do and i i drove artists crazy because they're like you're pushing out my my artwork with all this dialogue <laughs> and i i had to learn that you don't you you need first of all you need to be mindful that they're that you're not writing a novel you're writing a comic book but also how many words are going to go into a word bubble and all of that was learned experience i i again there was never anybody looking over my shoulder saying don't do that kid because that that doesn't really exist in comics Mm. Uh, so actually you had mentioned uh your wife and uh from what i've been told is that uh, your actual wife is the inspiration for i guess what the the sidekick slash love interest for halloween man is uh, lucy chaplin i'm looking at the cover here lucy chaplin's science starlet now yes. i think what's uh the probably the most fascinating aspect to her is that it is a plus size character and that you know it's, it's a great role model because, you know, this is not the kind of character you'd usually see in comics. So I guess the, you know, what was the inspiration for the character or was your wife the inspiration? And then like, what's the reaction been from, I guess, the, the comics fans of the book? So the, the truth is, is more complicated. I'd like to say like, oh yes, it was always Jamie. It was always Jamie, <laughs> but uh, the truth is, is really complicated. So the character actually existed for about 10 years before I even met uh, Jamie. And I always wanted the character to be a plus size woman, but I had a very difficult time getting artists to draw that because like what a lot of times what happens when comic book artists are, are, are drawing is, you know, they'll, they'll master like a few types of, of body types and, you know, they're trying to draw as quickly as possible. So, you know, the more curveballs, no pun intended, that you, you throw them, you know, the, the, the harder it is for them to, to quickly put out a book. And, you know, so my initial desire for this character to be plus sized kind of got lost and I was too young to really raise much of a stink. I didn't have the the confidence about it. Um, And then about, you know, nine years ago, I would say DC rebooted their whole universe and they had uh, two characters in particular. They have Amanda Waller from the suicide squad who is typically drawn as a full figured woman. And then there's power girl was typically drawn as kind of like more muscular, more brawny, you know, broader, you know, kind of woman. And they had slimmed them down to look just like every other comic book heroine. And I remember being so pissed off because there's such a lack of 
you know, body diversity in comics, like superheroes really kind of all look the same. And, you know, the thing I always jokingly say is if you take the glasses off of Clark Kent, he not only looks like Superman, he also looks exactly like Bruce Wayne. So, <laughs> like you know, superhero, there, there tends to be this weird kind of homogeny, um, particularly with the female characters. And I really wanted, that was kind of my line in the sand. I really wanted to do something about that. So I got with three different artists and we came up with a new Lucy design and we did this, um, this story called Eye of the Beholder, which the character is remodeled into the, the version that is now the popular version. Um, I never outright said, hey, draw Jamie. But uh, Terry Parr and Sergio Calve, who are the guys that were very instrumental in the, the redesign, you know, my wife has, is, is a, in a rockabilly band. She has this kind of pinup aesthetic. She, she is a very memorable looking person. And they started drawing the new Lucy. And I remember distinctly uh, this one image, my, my wife shared it on Facebook and her mom said, oh, that looks like you. And I, I remember writing Terry. I was like, did you give Lucy Jamie's face? And she was like, oh, well, I didn't think she would mind. <laughs> and, and, and pretty soon all of the artists were doing it. And, you know, Jamie is my muse and she, she definitely has, uh, you know, Lucy, a lot of Lucy's dialogue is verbatim stuff that, that Jamie has said. So I, I didn't mind it either. Like as long as she was okay with it, uh, I was okay with it, but I, I, I never said to anybody like, Hey, draw, draw Lucy, the, to look like Jamie. That was never a discussion that was happened. It just was sort of like a, a progression that happened, you know, over, the course of doing this new version. Um, in regards to your second half of this question, you asked how people have, have felt about it. Most of the reaction has been good. Like, like everybody tends to agree that there needs to be more plus size characters in comics. Uh, a lot of women readers really love it. I, I actually got covered on like fashion blogs and things like that, which is not something you ever would think would happen putting out a comic book, particularly one where the main character is a butt ugly zombie. <laughs> but, um, you know, there were some people that were obviously kind of, oh, we, I like the old design better. Oh, you know, and of course there was the, oh, SJW, SJW, trying to be woke, like that kind of thing. And in and, and one particular instance, I remember I was headhunting for, some new artists and this one artist like outright told me he would not draw the new, I was like, Oh, you know, that's a mistake. And I refused to, to draw that version of Lucy. And I was like, well, I guess you don't have a job then. <laughs> so um, not everybody loved it, but the vast majority of people were positive about it. That's great. That's really cool. Uh, you also had mentioned um, that you co-host a podcast the castle of horror so you know we're always up for promoting other artists work so can you tell us a little bit about that um so castle of horror 
came out of uh that's mostly jason henderson's baby like he was the one who was like hey originally it was called the castle dracula podcast and it was just going to be vampire movies because jason is the real the real life van helsing and he has forgotten more about vampires than most people will ever know but he uh he contacted Myself and one of the other hosts, Tony Savaggio, who is also, uh, he's an animator and a, a musician and a comic book creator here in Austin. And he asked us like, hey, we can promote whatever we're working on and it'll be an excuse to like hang out because we all used to live in the same city, but we had, he, he was now in Denver and, um, you know, it, it, he was like, let's, let's, you know, do this. And not, I don't think any, uh, when we were, occur- were recording that first episode, our very first episode was on, on the Hugh Jackman version of Van Helsing. And when we were recording that uh, 10 years ago now, um, I don't think any of us thought we were still going to be doing it. It just is like, well, this is fun. And, you know, eventually we'll move on to the other, and the other thing that we'll be doing. And it's been really nice to, to, you know, have this weekly thing that we do, particularly through the pandemic, where there, we didn't have a lot of interaction with other people. Uh, you know, that that weekly ritual of watching a horror film and then getting together with three of my friends and, you know, discussing it uh, really was a lifeline through, you know, this, this last year. It, it gave us a sense of normalcy and it kept us on a schedule when we didn't really have one all out of the time but you know we're over 300 episodes and you know i i get messages from people who only know me from the podcast they're not familiar with my comic book work that much at all and you know in particular it's also been interesting to, to hear from other people starting horror movie podcasts saying the castle of horror is an influence on them it's just it's strange to think but jason henderson is definitely the mad mad genius behind <laughs> castle of horror like i i i'm i'm at best the igor of that <laughs> equation that's awesome that's great so i've got one more question then i'll hand it over to justin so you so you've been working on halloween man for you said like 21 years coming up so you know of course you've done a lot of stories are there any that you, you kind of like hey you know you're, you're suddenly hit with an inspiration of an idea and you jot it down like are there any stories that you want to tell that you haven't gotten to yet? Or like, are there any kind of like new approaches to, you know, I guess, classic uh, versions of a particular story that you want to attempt? I'm going to take the first part of the, the, the last part of that question first, if you don't sure. mind. Um, I've wanted, I want to do every classic horror trope and I've done a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, we have a, a one that's coming out in a few in a few weeks it's a mr hyde story um but what i really want to do and i've been dancing around with that uh for years is i really want to do like an old-fashioned ghost story but with the halloween man characters like put them in a haunted house and do do something like the haunting i just i have to find a way to make ghosts threatening to to that character you know like it's that's the the question that i always get is like how do how do i make this particular creature threatening to halloween man you because know, you, you want there to be let's be a little bit of tension mm-hmm. um 
let's see. What was the first part of the question again? Sorry, this is my fault for, for going in reverse order. Uh, it was kind of like, so, you know, you've been working on it for so long. Uh, has, has there, like, it was kind of like, a, it was all one big question, kind of like, has there been anything you haven't done yet? Yes. And uh, about, you know, inspiration for ideas. I, and I really was, I had this momentary thought that when you said the one thing I've always really wanted to try it, I was all set for you to say, I haven't done a musical version, but you know, <laughs> but I was like, well, how do you do that in a comic? But I guess you could have the characters quotes unquote sing and just have like sung to the tune of. Um, a musical would be fine, uh, especially if it was animated like a Disney mm. cartoon, because the one thing Disney needs is more cannibalism, but um, <laughs> You know, there is absolutely stories. I've written like five five years worth of stories out in advance, and there's there's stories that haven't been produ produced yet. I have kind of my Halloween Man Magnum Opus that I'm sitting on. It's a story called Texylvania, hmm. and uh, it's both my love letter to the Universal monsters as well as my love letter to Possum Kingdom, and um. I'm, but I have to build up for it. I have to get all all of the characters to a certain place emotionally, and that's the thing about comics because they are serial in nature. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to start out at point A to get to point Z, and I have to make sure that all of the characters are at point Z before I can tell that story. But I I can't wait to unleash it because I think it's one of the best things that I have ever written. Oh, that's great! That is so great. Uh, yeah, so I've done some Kickstarter stuff in the past, and it looks like you've done some crowdfunding of sorts. Uh, do you want to share that experience and any advice you might have for people <laughs> thinking of that? Um, it can be a pain. <laughs> I am very stressed out by crowdfunding. I get a lot of people asking me like, oh, you know, you've had a successful this and that. And I was like, I feel like when I do crowdfunding, I am a ball of anxiety for the entire time that it's on because it's sort of like being at a convention. And, you know, when you're at a convention, you're selling yourself the whole time, you know, you're always on and the, the crowdfunding thing, it's like that only it doesn't, it doesn't end. You don't go back to your hotel room at the end of the night and, you know, go to sleep and, you know, you at least have that, that uh, the crowdfunding thing is almost 24 hours and you start to, if like you don't have a backer for a few hours, you start to really judge yourself. So <laughs> yeah. I think my first advice to anybody was, is be prepared for anxiety, like learn to think that it's, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, like take care of yourself, practice good self-care. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, for me, it's, it's only a comic book. It's not worth me having high blood pressure over, um, as far as like ways, like tricks of the trade in terms of trying to get people to, you know, give you money over crowdfunding. I, the thing I did this last time, because the, the, the crossover we did with the robust side was eighties horror themed and, you know, particular return of the living dead. I did a uh, live tweeting where I would watch um, an eighties horror film. Uh, you know, be it the Lost Boys or uh, Video Dead, you know, there was anything from like fairly mainstream movies, the stuff that's like kind of more obscure, like like Black Roses or whatever. And 
I made a, I got like a lot of backers when I would do that. At first, I wasn't sure how that would go. I I was just like, oh yeah, I'm watching Ghostbusters at this at this time. You know, you want to watch Ghostbusters with me? Uh, you want to watch Chud with me? You know that kind of thing. And I <laughs> I didn't th- I didn't think that people would respond to it, but people thought it was really funny and entertaining. And I made the most money. You know, I got the most backers while I was doing those live tweets. And in fact, the last week of it. I made like over a grand, you know, cause I just was like, okay, every night this week I am live tweeting a movie till and, and the last day I live tweeted through the entire evil dead franchise, including Ooh. the remake and drag me to hell. So that was, that was a long wow. day. Yeah. That does sound like a long day. Um, it's a good thing. I like scary movies, right? <laughs> Yeah, I've been craving some Shaun of the Dead lately for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, I think that's I a, buy it or that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think we're coming up towards the end of our time. Anything else from you, Paul? No, I just think, uh, Drew, I wanted to ask you, like, if people want to find out more about you and your comics and all of your work, where can they find you on the Internet? Well, on Twitter, I am HalloweenManCom. That is all one word. On Instagram, I am Drew underscore Halloween. And if you want to find me on Facebook, it, you just type in HalloweenMan.com and that takes you to my Facebook page. Uh, I am also now on Patreon. Uh, wow. And uh, you just have to look up Drew Edwards or Halloween Man on Patreon and it'll take you right to me. Um, nice. So that's that's me. Uh, I also, I guess I should say, I, I guess I should say you should also check out Halloween Man on Comixology. That is the easiest, cheapest way <laughs> to get the comics. There are some on there that are as low as ninety nine cents. So, you know, what do you got the what do you got to lose? I promise it is worth reading. And uh, I will I will throw in my endorsement of the Halloween Man comics. Uh, you know that horror straight up horror is not really my thing but you know light-hearted light-hearted horror if you like you know kind of like you know gory but a little silly at the same time then halloween man is definitely the comic for you and as drew mentioned you know he really has a lot of fun with you know classic horror tropes and horror type stories so it is definitely worth checking out and well worth the investment there we go awesome well drew thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us oh thank you for having me yeah and uh Everybody listening, if you can leave a review and tell your friends, that's always appreciated. Once again, this is the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. You can find my books on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog at MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. And I'm on Instagram at Pez Screenwriting. That's P-E-Z Screenwriting. Feel free to check them all out. And I'm pretty big on following people back. As Justin mentioned, this has been the Creative Writing Life podcast. He's Justin. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something. <laughs>